Hey everyone and welcome to Project Esports for September 16th, 2019. As always, I am your host, Andrew Nimsgern, and alongside me, as per usual, Dylan Beal. And then we do have a special guest with us, Nick Lasek from Esports One. Um, Nick, you can kind of do a quick introduction of yourself right now. They already know who me and Dylan are. They don't care about us too much. We got someone new, so we're going to kind of dig a little bit more in depth with you kind of later on. But just kind of really quick, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and kind of why we decided to bring you on to talk esports? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Nick Lasek. I am the product manager at Esports One. We are a startup in Santa Monica, California. Been around for a couple years and uh, we focus on stats and analytics in the esports space. Uh, and yeah, uh, really excited to be here to talk with you guys about esports in general, also about esports one. Um, <laughs> we're, we're building some really cool stuff that uh, I, I can't wait to share with you guys. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to talking to that at the end of the show. But for those of you that do not know, this is Project Esports, where each and every Monday we talk about all things esports, rather as biggest topics, stories, interviews, news, kind of whatever we feel like putting our opinion on and giving a little bit of context alongside of that. But I guess we don't have any really big housekeeping besides Dylan tripped over his own feet and broke his ankle. So send your best wishes <laughs> to him because he's just a true goon and a klutz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's on brand for me, so I'll just be chilling back, hanging out, uh, doing the same thing I normally do. My lifestyle doesn't change very much. I'm still going to play video games. I'm still just going to watch streams, so uh, it's fine. Yeah, I, I was waiting for you to kind of come in and defend yourself, but it just it is just so on brand that what can you even say? Honestly, most of my actions are indefensible, so I'll keep I'll keep to the ones I can defend. But um, yeah, with that, we don't really have any housekeeping, I guess, kind of keep saying and we'll talk about a little bit later on the show. But um, Dylan and I will be at the Overwatch Grand Finals coming up in a couple of weeks. We finally booked hotels and flights and all that last week. So again, if anyone does want to meet up, we don't really have any plans. We're just going to Philadelphia for fun. So if anyone wants to meet up, we're just going to goon around. Yeah. So here I'll give a little caveat. OK, if you do meet up with us, I'll let you sign my cat. Wait, are you going to have a cast? At the, oh, my God. You have the cast at the Grand Finals. Oh, yes. And anyone can sign it. Can I wheel you around in a wheelchair? Oh, that'd be sick, actually. <laughs> All right. This trip just got better. But <laughs> we are not here to talk about whatever we're going to do at Grand Finals. We are here to talk about esports. And Dylan, I'm going to hand it back over to you to kind of start with these first couple of stories. It is going to be a little lighter um, episode based for the news front, just because we wanted to give enough time to kind of talk to Nick at the end of the episode. Because Esports One is doing a lot of cool stuff and they've been kind of a supporter of us for a while now. So first time kind of having them on, we want to make sure to do it justice. So yeah, we'll have a little we bit of news. Uh, we're definitely fans here. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's how, um, you know, we heard about you guys, you know, as a product manager, I need to keep up with all this stuff. And, um, yeah, I was looking for a good podcast and, and found you guys very quickly and was like, cool, I'm done on podcasts <laughs> for sports. I got all I need. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so Dylan, so what's going on with uh, Team Liquid? Yeah, so as we talk about Dota 2 and especially the international, because like it really feels like a lot of the Dota 2 news revolves around the international. And something that we talked about is that usually in the season right after um, TI happens, there's tons of roster changes. We brought this up a couple times. I mean, the roster changes are so intense that it's like even in the after party that all the players are at, like the same night grand finals happen. People are like talking about uh, trades and they're like, oh, like we're going to trade like these players or whatever. And like, it's it's nuts. So all the teams just switch up. And then that's why um, the finals, uh, the year before, and then this one was so crazy that the that the grand final winners had basically the same exact roster. Like the same exact team, that's nuts for Dota 2. So with that in mind, one of the top teams, Team Liquid, disbanded their entire team. All of them are gone, which was a mutual thing, kind of. So it wasn't necessarily Liquid saying, we don't want a Dota 2 team anymore. Um, it was more so the players uh, getting together with Liquid and just saying, we want to disband from Team Liquid because we want to go and start our own esports organization. Now, I don't really know why team liquid would be so okay with this because it says it was a mutual thing but i can imagine that team liquid is going to be losing a lot of revenue from losing their their incredibly good dota 2 team which always makes uh top eight of of ti which is a ton of money to make top eight so this is pretty crazy i don't think we've seen anything this big out of any dota 2 team before especially of team liquid's caliber so this is definitely big news 
So a couple of things about this, because again, I don't know much about Dota, so I'm not going to go into it. But there's a couple of like just interesting things. So one, have they said anything about what the new team's going to be or anything? No, nope, they just said was, that they parted ways. They just they just said they're parting ways to start their own esports organization. And I can only imagine if it's the entire team disbanding that they're going to just make a new Dota two team that most likely yeah. is going to start out as just a Dota two team. And then. Um, is Team Liquid still going to try to f- uh, fill a new roster for this upcoming season, or are they not made a statement on that either? I don't believe so. Um, but to be honest, it's going to be very hard for them. Um, I think there's a lot of good Dota 2 talent out there. I think Team Liquid has the pockets for it. But it's hard to just be like, all right, I need to you know, get six to eight all-star Dota 2 players that aren't already on a team. It's that's a that's a tall order. That's a really tall order, especially because Team Liquid was like a top eight TI team. That's like well, that. Kind didn't of they take team. second place this year? Not even yeah. top eight. They took second. Yeah, that's that that shooting for that kind of level for a team. It would cost them in, in like literally millions. It would cost them millions, probably eh, or high hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's a couple things I want to say, Nick. But what are you kind of feeling about this? I, I, are you a Dota two fan at all? I know you guys work a lot on League of Legends. Do you guys follow Dota at all? Oh yeah, um, I mean, we we have basically everything um, oh. uh, streaming here at at all times. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like the, the CEO will log in, and if there's not a stream, he's he's like, why isn't there something on there? Why, like we need to be watching more and more stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, we definitely follow Dota. Um, we do have a particular guy that works here, Australian dude, that um, he like lives and breathes Dota. He actually went to TI uh, this past year. Oh, that's um, cool. All the way out there. It's nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've been in esports for about a year now, and this is this is the first I've ever heard of something like this happening, where an entire team just pieces out and starts their own team. It's I see it as a good thing. Um, it, it's I see it as like an empowering thing for for the players to go out, strike out on their own, and um, and basically set their own rules um, as an organization. Uh, I have heard stories, especially in Overwatch, for example, of teams uh, like these players getting uh, you know just overworked, uh, working crazy days. So if you have an organization run by players, started by players. I see it as a good thing for for the industry in a sense of interesting precedent. I agree. I yeah. I mean, I I think it is interesting, and I guess just because we watch documentaries, so I feel like this is actually something I talk about. But we saw that's where OG came from. I mean, OG was fly no tail leaving. I don't even remember what team they were mm-hmm. on before together, and kind of starting up their own org and growing it, and eventually that's where the whole story came from. And that eventually Red Bull signed them, and eventually they joined on, but they started from scratch. But esports is so volatile right now that I mean they're doing really well on um Team Liquid. I mean they had won a championship. I mean they took second place this year. They clearly had the talent. I mean they went to the game five. They like they are not that far off from winning the nat- the um international. So I just don't understand. I feel like there has to be more to this. I know you say there's like mutual understanding when they parted ways on this, but you had funding. You didn't have to pay for anything. You had Team Liquid, which has some of the most state-of-the-art stuff in the world. Like, there has to be something that we don't know for them to want to leave besides it being empowering. Because if you're being treated well and you have all the access, you're not paying for anything, plus you're getting probably a salary with Team Liquid, and you're getting super close to winning the international, I don't see what the drive is to go out unless all five of them really wanted that entrepreneurial spirit to kind of do it on their own. But eventually the long-term goal is to have a sponsor like team liquid pick them up. That's, that's actually probably not true for Dota with Dota. It is very different because Dota is so centered around TI that that is the player's careers. Mostly like, especially these high tier players they don't really care about the stability of getting onto a team like Team Liquid, riding it out with really good salaries, and just having that be their career. Their goal is really to go to TI and then try to place as highly as possible because they're winning millions of dollars. And so what I think happened here is that the players probably weren't getting a very high cut of it. Um, and, And even if the cut, let's say the cut is, I don't know, 
let's 90, 10%, uh, 90 going to the players, 10% going to the org. I think it's probably a lot lower, but still, if you're if you're talking about a million dollars per player, that's a ton of money. Like, how would you feel that if you got a check, um, you know, even after taxes from from the prize pool, uh, they were like, we're going to take 100,000 out. You'd be like, that's insane. 100,000 for most people can they, they can get by for a very long time off of $100,000. Like that's mm-hmm. that's multiple years salary for a lot of people. And so I think in their eyes, they are taking this as we're leaving as a team. We're going to be in TI again because it's the same team. Um, yeah, we don't have the training facility or whatever, but the core of it, it's the players. They're still going to place highly and they're going to be making 100% of that second, maybe even first place uh, next year. And I think that's really why they're doing this is so they can really get that money that they deserve. They're an amazing team and they definitely deserve a lot of that money. I, I mean, that is a really good point. Honestly, I will, I will give you that. That's not what I'm thinking of, but, and obviously it's not going to cost a hundred thousand dollars per player. Because my argument coming back was, well, now they're going to have costs that they didn't have before. They're going to need to fly because they're not going to be guaranteed a slot into the international next year. They need to work for that now. So they need to go back to some of the uh, minors and other majors to get into the international. So they're not guaranteed anymore versus that team liquid has that slot now where it's guaranteed. Now you're going to have to work harder. But I mean, I guess they're maybe spending $10,000, $20,000 on each player um, on travel and hotels and all that kind of stuff. So it probably ends up they will end up making more money. So I, I do think that's a really good point. But I, I still I, I still don't know. I feel like I guess I don't understand the Dota scene enough to really understand what these players are going through. And it'd be really cool to have them speak out about why they officially did this. But I just feel like there has to be more because for most being on a stable team is the ultimate goal in esports. You know, uh, I'm, I'm curious if they have any like venture investment behind behind this because I mean, you, you make a good point with there's a lot of costs, obviously the cost of living, but the cost of travel and all that, that's got to come from somewhere. Well, they just um, took second place at the international. They have plenty of money. Ah, well, then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what each one of them, each one of them probably won around a million dollars. So they'll have enough yeah. to buy a state of the art PC, a new apartment and travel and still have enough money to last the year. So it, I, I think that is a good point. There might be other investment, but they can self-support right now. Yeah. And what I think would be really good for them as well is that um, just like Red Bull uh, and OG, they can now approach any sponsor basically and be like, "We're like the number two team, and we always get top eight. We will make you a, like a like a like in our name. We'll throw you in our name, start paying for some of our stuff." I think a lot of companies would be like, "Yeah, absolutely. This is a no brainer. We're going to be on the the international stage if we sign these players." So, I think they have a lot of leverage to directly. Uh, interface with sponsors so that's probably another huge huge thing for them go break it open your piggy bank let's reach out to him dylan <laughs> we'll pull all our money together <laughs> well there's not much on my end so you better have a lot of money because we don't have enough to sponsor those guys at this point but um yeah, anything else kind of want to wrap up with this I, just, I think this was a really good story when you first put it on there it was wasn't much to me but i kind of actually like this talk talking point so is there anything else like dota wise you guys want to talk about before we move on to another really big point no, yeah, good. All right. So another thing that I'm going to hand it back over to you for a second, Dylan. But we've been talking about the Olympics and esports pretty much, I think, since our literal second episode. We talked about those two kind of coming together and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, if I'm not wrong, Dylan, are we at that point pretty much? Uh, yes and no. Did I uh, do a little bit of cook? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, but it's still close. It's still close to the, the Olympics, and it's still a good foundation for it. So let me explain further. Um, so Intel is working with the International Olympic Committee to create a small tournament that's going to have a run-up into the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Now, it's not an Olympic uh, eSport event, but it's an Olympic-backed eSport event, which I think is really cool, and it's definitely the first step that we're going to get towards. So basically what it's going to be is going to be Street Fighter V and Rocket League. Each of the tournaments are going to be $250,000 each, which is pretty big for these games, I think. Um, there's going to be online qualifiers. And then the finals are going to happen in Tokyo in Diver City 
in July, which I didn't read about until uh, like I didn't read where the venue was until just now. But Diver City, I've been there. It's really cool. It's like a giant mall and they have like this giant Gundam statue out front. It's actually really sick. So very cool venue for it. Um, but this is exciting. It's like the first steps, I think, to really getting it in. And uh, before I pass over to you guys, I just want to also add, um, I think someone commented somewhere. I forget where. Maybe it was on Reddit or something that both of these games are non-shooting games, which I think is interesting and probably why they chose these two. Um, that's one. I mean, Nick, I'll let you talk. That's one hundred percent the reason why they picked these two games. I don't even think that's like a mm-hmm. talking point. I mean, I mean, the last time we talked about this, they literally said um, we can't have any of these games in the Olympics. All the big games, these are all related to shooting. So, I mean, I don't think that's much of of like a question there, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's happening. Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was. Uh, interesting that they chose these games. When I first saw that, it said, oh yeah, going up into the Olympics, we're going to have esports. I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then they said Rocket League and Street Fighter. And I wasn't like disappointed or anything. I, I, I'm like, this is great. But I thought it was a little weird. But then um, when you think about it, like these are some of the most accessible esports uh, games to watch. I mean, if you are new to esports and you're trying to uh, if you're trying to grow esports and pull more people in, you want to start with these games that have a very low barrier of entry. And Rocket League is super easy to understand. Ball, goal, it's just like soccer, yep. except with flying cars. But you know what I mean. Um, and then with uh, with Street Fighter, it's just two guys beating the hell out of each other uh, with health bars. Got it. It's pretty easy to understand. Uh, I, I thought that was... Um, a really good choice. Uh, it didn't make sense to me at first, but um, pretty quickly uh, it, it, it came together that, of course, if, if you're going to be having something on the international stage and you want to introduce this to, uh, to the world in, in a broader way, why not start with games that are easy to follow? It makes total sense. No, yeah. And, and again, I mean, what, whatever the reasons are, I think it's still cool, especially that the Olympic Committee could kind of come around and shared that like yeah we're going to back this event even though it's not huge and dylan is this going to be set up in the way that um like it's based on like worlds and stuff like that i mean not worlds like countries or is it just anyone that's open to and anyone can compete in it uh no as far as i know it is going to just be an open um so anyone can compete compete in it so people aren't inherently going to be on team america or anything like that it's going to be um there's gonna be online qualifiers so there's gonna be a bunch of smaller tournaments that lead up into this so i guess at the events they are definitely going to probably emphasize like oh these players are from these countries to kind of get that olympic feel of it um but there won't be necessarily this is the X player from America. This is the Y player from Japan or anything like that. Yeah, so kind of like evil. Like they mentioned it. They always showed up on the stage. But yeah. the, it doesn't have to be from certain countries or anything kind of like that. Okay, well, that makes sense. And I mean, That's kind of a bummer, you know, uh, 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 like Overwatch World Cup, for example, um, really fun to watch because you're, you're cheering for your, your country. You have that pride behind it. Um, it's a little disappointing. But they're not doing it here. Yeah, I, I agree. I can I can also see why you can't because then if only some countries compete versus all, and it, it's just it gets complicated if you do that with the city one. I mean the um the country one because maybe some countries don't support it as much as others, and they're originally from Turkey, but they moved. To the, I'm just using these all. I have no idea where they stand on political stances. <laughs> but they originally from Turkey. They still say they're from Turkey, but they're in the United States now. But the country of Turkey wants nothing to do with esports. I mean, I see when they're representing a country that's not selected by the country can run into a problem. And most countries don't support esports, so they wouldn't be like rep- having someone represent. And how do you pick one person to represent a country or like three people in the terms of Rocket League? So I see where the problems are. And I think that's ultimately the problem of esports being in the Olympics is so many countries aren't for it. Or how do you pick the one team or something like that? So I think that's why we see it this way. But it's cool. There's some Olympic tie. I mean, if it never went far than this, I'm not going to be upset. I mean, this is still cool. And it can be said the... um 
Intel World Open. So it'd be cool if it said like, oh, hosted by the Olympics or something like that. That would be cool, but I don't know. I, I like the event, but it could still be better. But if it doesn't get better, I guess that's esports. I'm hyped that the fighting game is into it. I'm I'm super hyped about that because um, I love fighting games. So seeing them put further on the world stage is always really exciting. Um, and I think Street Fighter V was a safe choice to make because it's not too extreme. Um, Nick, you were talking a little bit about how easy the games are to watch. I think that's especially true for Street Fighter in terms of all fighting games because it's not a crazy game. It's not like Marvel versus Capcom where you have these giant combos with a bunch of flashy things that like uh, kill characters in like one combo. Everything is pretty straightforward. The combos are fairly short, um, but there's still, still a ton of skill in the game. So I think it was a good choice that they made. And what better country to host a, a Street Fighter tournament than Japan? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that had a factor in it. I think Japan might have made a little bit more of a push for it than uh, some other countries might have. Um, I mean, that's just an assumption. But I, I don't think it's a coincidence that, of course, the first esports kind of related Olympic events is when it's hosted in Japan. So, I mean, that's cool. That's what it takes. And if it's only here every so often on countries that support it, I mean, it's better. Being on some kind of stage is better than not being on any kind of stage is kind of where I feel like esports is at. And like you're kind of saying mm-hmm. in the pre-show a little bit um, that we're getting more mainstream, but still every chance we get to get in front of more people in the right way is still really good and still needed for esports. So if that's what it takes, that would it take. Mm-hmm. But... Are you, unless you guys want to bring something else on that, I guess we'll kind of move over to a, another esport that we've started talking about a little bit more and we've just kind of shit on last week. But that's going to be the Call of Duty World League. So two things on this. First off, we had a really big kind of personnel change that I'm really excited to talk about. I don't know how much you guys are going to be into it. But first off, we have the official 12 teams. So it's not officially confirmed by anyone that... Um, these are there's only going to be 12 teams because we talked they want to eventually move to 24 teams and all that kind of stuff. But from what sources are saying, some from a bunch of people that have been leaking a lot of really accurate stuff, um, that there's just going to be 12 teams for season one, which I think is a really good call. Um, but those teams are going to be Atlanta, Dallas, Florida, and Los Angeles. Um, all four of those are Overwatch League teams. Um, so that's the Immortals, it's the owners of the Atlanta Reign, the Florida Mayhem, um, and then um, the Envy. And then after that, we have Los Angeles, Minnesota, New York, Paris, um, Toronto for the other ones as well. I guess they missed Seattle on this list as well. Um, So it's kind of a really unique mix. Um, First off of locations, so a couple locations that are really kind of stood out to me, um, especially considering the fact that there's – oh, this article is so out of date – London has been confirmed too now. So there's 12 teams that have been confirmed. Um, the ones that weren't on the oh, list wow. were London and Seattle. But I just found a really interesting one that there's only two international, well, non-North American teams, um, London and Paris, which both were Overwatch League teams. So that makes some sense. Um, but that there weren't any Asian teams. Um, really kind of caught me off guard that none of those teams had any interest in getting involved in it. Getting cut off in the last minute. Um, uh, perfect. Um, so first off, that really caught me by guard and uh, worried me a little bit. Two, that we get two Midwest teams in the Call of Duty World League, but we can't get one anywhere else. And that's all after I leave the Midwest. So, of course, that really upsets me. And that I'm actually really happy that only half of the teams that have been in are Overwatch League teams and that there are six other big investors that were interested in getting in the Call of Duty World League, which we're so worried about with that price point. And we saw teams dropping out last week. So I guess we can kind of take it wherever you want. I mean, I can repeat the guys, the teams, if you guys need anything kind of like that. But these are the 12 teams, couple stats on them. What are you guys kind of feeling about this? I mean... We kind of know where me and Dylan stand on it a little bit and we're a little worried about it. But have you been kind of following along with this, Nick? And are you looking forward to this or is it just whatever to you? I mean, so, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning that you guys uh, kind of shit on CWL last week. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I, I, I kind of get it. Um, it's, not one of, it's not one of my favorite esports to watch. Um, and for a couple of reasons, 
uh, one, there's not a whole lot of team play involved, um, just in, in terms of the way the characters interact with each other, like you would see in something like Rainbow Six Siege or Overwatch. Um, and two, the, just the stakes seem pretty low. It's just watching just dudes run at each other, shoot, one dies, he respawns, and you're just watching these dudes just wave after wave just, just come at each other. Um, that said, I do think that CWL is poised to do some pretty cool things with this this year, um, mostly because, uh, well, for two reasons. One, they are uh, replicating the model um, pioneered by the Overwatch League, which I think is incredible. I'm a huge fan of of how they have all that set up with um, franchise teams and uh, geolocated teams and, and things like that. Um, but the other is is the game itself. Uh, Modern Warfare seems to be shaping up to lend itself well as an esports title. Um, it it seems to have a slower, more methodical pace, which creates those higher stakes. Um, more tension built into the game. It's it's more exciting to watch. Um, and they also seem to be toying around with different modes that de-emphasize respawning, um, where like the, the 2v2 gunfight mode looks mm -hmm. really cool. Um, uh, I, I was watching some, some streams on that uh, and just watching streamers play, you know, it, just for fun, I was, I was getting into it. I, I, so I, I do think... Um, this year with with CWL uh, with uh, with this new game coming out, it could be pretty cool. Especially, I mean, we'll see what the official rule sets are. I think that will play a big part of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, um, my fingers are crossed here because uh, in its current state, it's not great. And I guess so. First off, I, I don't mean to kind of correct you or anything like that. But so the right now, currently, how Call of Duty does play is it is a combination of a couple of different maps, and one of them is Hardpoint, um, which is similar to kind of an Overwatch um, control map. And then secondly, they do do search and destroy as well in matches as well. So it isn't all respawning in the ways, but I do ultimately yeah. understand what you're trying to get at with the constant respawning mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, and I guess. I'm not as much worried about the game because this, I agree with you. This Call of Duty is setting up to be a really good game. Everyone that played the beta seemed to be loving it. A couple of people get sick of some things. There's a couple of balancing things, a couple of map changes that need to be made. But overall, people are really enjoying this Call of Duty. It seems to be one of the better receptions in a very long time. So I think it is a very good game to be launching this at versus some of the last couple of titles that have dropped off very quickly. So I think it's a really good time to be doing that franchising. And, and I think I don't worry about the model. Um, and seeing the teams that are in it right now, I'm feeling pretty good about the teams. Um, and the Asian teams not being in it, I think, would be nice because so much of esports viewership is from that pretty much the Chinese market is by far one of the largest esports markets. So even having one Chinese team would be a huge thing. But then I remembered that normal Call of Duty, I don't think, is allowed in China. And they only have Call of Duty Online, which is like a different version of the game. So they're not even able to play the same one, which would make sense why they're not in there. But that does worry me of why that the high pay-in, even though they're getting people to pay in, I worry about people not finding the investment they want to get in, um, get back out of it. And two, I just really worry about the viewership because we already see a downwards um, arc for um, Overwatch League. And that has that Korean and Chinese viewership. And a new league launching without that or having anything to really cater towards that worries me a lot. Because I don't even know if it'll be viewable in China because of how things are set up. So that's really what worries me, that there's not going to be enough people to watch it when it's already an eSport that not a lot of people watch. It's a very popular one, don't get me wrong. But it's in recent years, has not been as big as others. And I don't know if people are going to flock to it just because a couple Overwatch teams also are in that as well. Yeah, I totally agree, Andrew. I don't think the model that they have for the viewership they're going for is going to be very sustainable. I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm also worried about the um, style of, that Call of Duty takes when it, when they when they make a game because they make games fairly often, right? Um, I would uh, equate this similar to 2K, and I think we're going to see a lot of the same pitfalls as 2K, um, especially whenever 2K switched over versions. Um into the into the new year there was a lot of issues there a lot of people weren't quite happy with it and i mean looking at the 2k league there's the viewership isn't great the people who are into it are definitely into it and oh, yeah. i think it's i think it's awesome i do like it 
especially because I feel like the 2K League isn't trying to shoot for the moon. And I think their viewership is okay for that. Um, but Call of Duty, I feel like they are trying to shoot for the moon. They're trying to do Overwatch League 2. And I'm a little bit worried that they're going to fall short on that. And I just really hope it doesn't have larger consequences um, outside of Call of Duty itself. Yeah, I mean, it'll be something that I'll be really curious to see where it kicks off. And if it and if I don't, if I think if it doesn't kick off with really strong viewership that it's in for trouble, because I don't think it's something that's going to get better with time. and More people are going to get into it. I mean, we saw the highest peaks of Overwatch in the first season, the first couple of months and grand finals and jumps back up sometimes. But it has pretty much been a constant um Downwards, uh, downward arc, whatever. I can't think of what the word is off the top of my head. Since it, the league kind of started, and right now it seemed to kind of stabilize at the eighty to hundred thousand. But if we see it kick off to only a hundred thousand people, that downwards of where it can go can will not be enough to bring people back in. So, I well, think how hard they hype it up and how well the game reception is is another thing that's going to be really huge. I just thought of the point is that if people love this game, everyone's super in because everyone's playing this game. They want to watch the pros do it. But if next year, if they hate the game, well, or they hate the new changes or something like that, well, pros might not want to come back. Players might not want to come back. And that's just another thing I really worry about, that there's so many more pitfalls for a ever-changing league where it changes drastically every year versus something like Overwatch, where there might be an Overwatch 2.0 eventually, and I'm sure the league will adapt to that, but it's still going to be the same game. It's still going to be the same mm-hmm. map. They just have probably a bunch of new champions, and it's like a side story mode or something like that. But the core gameplay is going to change the same, while Call of Duty's core gameplay can change drastically. Like, they'll go from automatic health regen to having to heal yourself to uh, jump pack riding to all kinds of stuff that's so game-changing that it really depends on what people think of the game. Yeah, and I, I think that's... It's, it's an interesting issue, right? The, the serial nature of the game, you don't want it to change too drastically. And you look at Rainbow Six, you look at Counter-Strike, those in the same game. Uh, obviously, the, the game itself evolves, but it's the same game. Um, I, I think that is important if you want to establish a following around a game. It, it's, like you said, these Call of Duty games are very different from game to game. So it's almost like watching or like starting over and watching a new game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But another, and, th- oh, sorry, Don, I had, I had a really cheesy transition there, but I guess you just were going on. Sorry. I just want to add one thing. Cause I think it's important to add uh, to the Overwatch league. It is technically stabilizing at an 80 to hundred thousand. Um, but recently um, they've been uh, embedding their Twitch stream onto a ton of different sites as well which on all those sites, it auto plays and counts as viewers. So I, I think that's a good caveat to add into there because uh, it's been notorious, uh, those that, that kind of method for inflating viewers. Well, they did the so. same thing for the Call of Duty League as well. Oh, I mean, no, it's Activision Blizzard. Will. Um, so just keep that in mind too and uh, into the numbers. Yeah. Um, one other thing I, I would want to add here, I, I think the timing is going to be really important here. Um, obviously, they have all the infrastructure set up uh, going into the launch of a new game. As long as they, they launch the game, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people watching just uh, you know just the game in general. But if they can start these these tournaments as soon as the game launches uh, and kind of capitalize on that surge that always happens when a game comes out, I think that's going to be important because you look at like Apex Legends, for example. It blew up when, when it came out, um, and it did have some tournaments uh, at the beginning, but they didn't really follow through very well, and mm-hmm. it just kind of fizzled out. No, I agree with that, but I, I think that's another part of the pr- uh, the problem is I don't think the league starts till December or January. I forgot when we talked about mm-hmm. it, and the game, well, they do it so that there's time for people to get used to the game before jumping into pro play, which is fair to the players, but I also agree that it's not capitalizing on the hype of October when it comes out. So it's hard mm-hmm. between capitalizing on the hype and making sure the players are prepared to play the game, and it's actually that high-tier gameplay people want to watch. But um, there's one other thing I kind of want to talk about here is um, it can kind of be an honorable mention more if you guys don't have too much to say about it. But it is something that I feel I need to mention because Hex or Hector Rodriguez, probably one of the 
more OG members of all of esports, the man that built Optic from the ground up, um, has officially left Immortals, who have purchased Optic, um, and now no longer has anything to do with Optic for the first time since the brand has launched, and has instead moved over to NRG, who we've has made questionable decisions recently that we've talked about, um, to join as their co-CEO. Um, and NRG is the team that is going to be behind the uh, Call of Duty um, team for Chicago. So it's just kind of related to this a little bit. And as soon as I saw that announcement, I literally went and watched um, the following count of the Call of Duty Chicago team. And it was going like every time I refreshed, it was going up like 50. And I just kept refreshing it over and over again. The followers just skyrocketed. So that's just saying how big of a deal that is. And really how weak the current Optic brand is because most people think of Hex as the Optic brand. So I think that would be really curious to see when that comes around because the Optic brand will be alive, but no one really believes in it anymore. So I think that's something I'm really excited to kind of see come December or January once the league actually gets going. But anything else you guys want to do to kind of put a cap on our Call of Duty conversation? No. But then with that, I will go into our little bit of a show before we move in the second half of our show is that if you have Amazon Prime, that means you have Twitch Prime, which means each and every month you can give away one Twitch Prime subscription to any content creator of your choice. Just like Jordan is the best um, did earlier in the stream, <laughs> I resub during the stream Heck as well. Yeah, so um, if you do have that, you can go do that. It does not automatically renew. And of course, it means the world to us if we do get that because any money we do make through Twitch will go back to paying other content creators that work under us or hiring freelancers and things such as that to help creating really cool content that you guys want so of course that would mean the world to us so if you have amazon prime connect that to twitch and pull your car over because i know you're listening in your car right now and make sure to subscribe but with that not too much else saying on just thank you to everyone that does um subscribe to us but with that, there's one last little thing I want to talk about before we go into the interview and learn a lot more about esports one, and that is kind of Overwatch League Grand Final hypes. I mean, well, I'm not even going to do the Project Overwatch because there's not that much we got to talk about. I mean, so the Grand Finals have now been set for the third time this season, Dylan. It is going to be the Vancouver Titans versus the San Francisco Shock in the finals, um, which is absolutely unbelievable. And I'm pretty sure the Shock have been in the finals for all four stages now, which is even more unbelievable, just how dominant these two teams are. But um, on top of that, um, Zed has been announced as the halftime performer for um, the upcoming Grand Finals, which everyone seemed to be a lot more enjoyable for last year, because I don't know if you watched the Grand Finals last year, um, but that DJ Khaled performance was really something, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, much more excited for Zed. I'm very opinionated on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was just so bad. So, I mean, I guess there's not too much I want to talk about. I mean, it's just um, a little bit of how excited you are for the Grand Finals. With these two teams, pretty much, it pretty much is being a rematch every three months of the same team. Is kind of how this league has felt like for the most part. Um, if you guys enjoy seeing this constantly over and over again, despite them being the best teams. Um, and yeah, that's really one thing I really want to kind of hit at because again, just how many times we've watched them in the finals now. Dylan, what do you think? Are you excited uh, to see them again? I'm, I'm excited to see the players. Uh, Zed's okay. Uh, his music's all right, but like, I, I don't know. I just don't like music acts at esports events. It's weird. I, I always think it's weird. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I don't care for it. I don't care for it too much. This is a better choice. I will give it to them. Better choice than DJ Khaled, but uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And then what about yeah, the, the marshmallows thing? Uh, the marshmallow thing at the Fortnite World Cup was awkward. Yeah. yeah. It feels more awkward than good most of the time. So, But I mean, the, the one thing I can kind of agree with in terms of the Zed is that Zed has been... He is a known gamer. I mean, like that Metarama Festival that was canceled. He was going to go to that, and he streams sometimes, and he's done songs with League of Legends for some of the world's hypes videos. Like, he is very much more ingrained kind of in esports and video games than a lot of people. So hopefully he knows of how cringe it can be a lot of times and does his best to make it because he knows how big of a joke musical acts are in um, kind of esports. So that is my one kind of saving grace about that, that he does know what's going on a little bit more. Uh, 
But yeah, and then do you guys have anything to say about the same teams being in the finals every single year? Or is that just, if they're the best two teams, it's kind of like the Patriots in the NFL. Like, they're the best team. They deserve to be there, whether you like it or not. And I think it'll be a good series. But I guess other teams just need to kind of get better. It's get good at this point. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the season, though, was in GOATs. Um, so I definitely think it, there's probably going to be a shakeup uh, next season when we have full two two two. So I, I think we'll see. We'll see with that. Yeah, Nick, do you not have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's it's fine to have that that kind of rivalry, um, and uh, especially over time, there are going to be other teams that, that come out of the woodwork, and it'll be more of like an underdog story. So I, it it does set up. Or a good story later on down the line. Um, maybe a little boring right now. Um, I'm sure it's going to be fun to watch, obviously, but it's, you know, especially if, if you're not from those cities, you care less. Um, so obviously it, it's it's nice to, to mix it up, but I think for now it's fine. And then um, when it does get mixed up and things get shaken up, it's just going to make it all the more exciting. Yeah, I guess for me, I mean, the grand finals are grand finals. and I was going to be excited no matter who played there. Obviously, I would love to see the Valiant or Hangzhou Spark or kind of some other teams that I cheer for a little bit more than these two teams. But I wouldn't say just because it's these two teams that I think it's going to be a bad grand finals. I think, if anything, me and Dylan were so worried, like, oh, we're going to show up and it's going to be like two hours a game. This will definitely be a series that goes all the way. I mean, these are two teams that always fight so close, so I think it'll at least be a really good series. So I'm looking forward to it, no matter who the teams are, and I think it'll be a really kind of, it'll be a good time. But with that, that it does kind of wrap up a lot of the stories we really had for today, unless either one of you had any honorable mentions or anything you wanted to throw in there. Otherwise, I want to kind of shift gears towards you, Nick, and more esports one, because I know there is something that there's a feature that you guys really want to talk about kind of coming on. But before you even get to that, you kind of did a very quick kind of introduction to esports one. But why don't you give us a little bit more background about how you guys got to where you are now, kind of what your main products are. I guess for people, I know you guys don't really aren't that consumer facing until coming out soon, but just kind of how you got to where you are now and what the future is looking like for you guys. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I, I just want to say thank you guys again for for having me on. I mean, we're we're a tiny startup in in Santa Monica, you know, fifteen people, and we're we're just ecstatic to be able to 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 get ourselves out there and um i just i just really appreciate you guys uh having us on well, yeah thank you for um, uh coming on and for supporting us and always tweeting at us and all that kind of stuff you guys have been a really big fan for us and you help us make the content we do so i want to thank you for that as well yeah absolutely um so yeah esports one so we are a stats and analytics company um at a very high level, and this is like the the sales pitchy spiel, <laughs> is we we combine innovative technology with comprehensive data to make sense of esports. Um, as you know, esports is uh, it can be a bit daunting, um, especially if you're you're newer to esports. There's a lot of different games to follow. The games themselves uh, can be pretty complicated. You look at League of Legends. There's you know 144, 145 champions. Each one has uh, four abilities and a passive, and that, you have to be able to recognize all those things to yep. to, to to follow the game. Um, that's that's a lot to keep track of, um, and yeah. So so we're basically using uh, what's called computer vision technology. It's essentially the same tech that they use in self driving cars, hmm. but instead of recognizing what's going on on the road, we've trained it to recognize what's going on in the game. Uh, that's happening in real time. So uh, we have uh, our focus has been on League of Legends, but we are now growing and and, and retraining uh, the AI to uh, look at uh, Overwatch, and we're going to be expanding into to other games uh, like uh, like Dota 2 and, and Counter Strike. You know the big ones. Um, but basically. It allows us to do some really cool things because typically in sports and in, in, in esports, you get stats after the fact. Yeah. Um, but this will be able to react in real time. Um, so a good example would be our OneView product, which is uh, what I'm here today to talk about <laughs> to evangelize because uh, it's it's a Twitch extension that we are really excited about. Uh, it's going into closed beta at the 
uh, end of the month. So we'll be partnering with streamers to, to get it out there and, and get people using it. But basically it uses that computer vision tech to watch a live stream and react with interesting content. Um, so what we're doing is starting with uh, like a beginner mode. So if you are new to League of Legends, we will walk you through a live game of League of Legends, responding and explaining things as they happen. Um, I like to say it's like the equivalent of having your expert friend sit right next to you and walk you through a live game and like pointing things out. Oh, these are minions. Uh, you kill them, you get gold, use that to buy items, makes your character more powerful. Like things that if you're watching for the first time, aren't very obvious. Um, and the value there that we see is, you know, if, if you are a streamer or um, an esports broadcaster, uh, you have to find this balance of, you know, how do I bring in more people and uh, without alienating my, my hardcore fan base? Mm -hmm. I don't want to um, say things that just might come across as like dumb where it's like, oh, your hardcore fans are like, I already knew that. Why are you telling me? Um, but it would be really useful for people who are newer. Um, so what we're doing is kind of offloading that part uh, onto uh, our Twitch extension uh, to, to help out with that. Uh, and once you've gone through this beginner mode, which happens over the course of one full game of League of Legends, we open it up to uh, it's basically an event feed of all the major things that have happened in the game. So things like kills, uh, objectives, so uh, you know, dragons getting killed, first tower goes down, uh, you know, the the baron is killed, inhibitor is blown up. Um, we're making a feed of 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 those events, so that let's say you join a game late, you can quickly get up to speed on on everything that's happened. Um, also, we're adding the ability, so um, especially with like when you see kills, you can see this champion killed that champion. If you click on one of them, we'll explain all the abilities of that champion, so you know what to look for. Um, even if you played the game for a long time, that's still useful. It's like, oh, what percentage, um, you know, uh, increase of um, ability power does this uh, have? I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's we. It's something that we see as as um, as useful. But uh, yeah, so that is like the the sales pitchy um, <laughs> approach of, of of what we're doing here. Um, there are a lot of other products that that we are building. Um, there's a lot of different ways to use this data. That's the cool thing about this data is you can interpret it um, in a lot of different ways for different audiences. Uh, and we can we can talk about that if there there's time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll leave it there. Yeah. So Dylan, you can jump in and kind of ask any questions whatever you want. The one I really want to ask is to understand this product and um, the, so do the streamers have to download or anything or is this literally just a so they have to download something, have it running on their computer, and then that communicates to the Twitch extension that allows people, or is it purely just the algorithm watching the stream, and as it goes on, it's picking up on it and trying to display it after the fact? Yeah, so all they have to do is install the Twitch extension um, to their Twitch account. So no download or anything like that. All they do is install it, activate it, and then uh, put in their summoner name, and that will tell us where to look. Um, for certain things, so um, we plug into the Riot API in the back end, and uh, we'll be able to recognize when they've started and stopped the game. Once they start a game, we spin up all this stuff in the background. Um, we turn on all these computers to to basically watch their game uh, with this computer vision tech to recognize what's happening. It all happens like magic in the background. Like <laughs> when I first saw this work it like blew my mind of, of just like the amount of things that we can do with this is ridiculous. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. So this is incredible to me um, just because I saw the Twitch extensions come out. And to be honest, I haven't really seen anything too amazing out of it. I've seen a lot of cool things. Um, the one thing I really like is a lot of card games like magic or mm -hmm. Hearthstone mm -hmm. utilize it or uh, hover overs. So you hover over any of the cards and it'll bring it up yeah. nice and big for you and you can look at them. And that was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. So the fact that like you guys are really digging in and going, all right, we're just gonna have like these crazy stats and there's like all this stuff on the back end, I think is a huge leap forward for her Twitch extension. So not only do I think this is cool, but I really hope it sets the bar really high 
for Twitch extensions going forward? Because this is really cool. Yeah, yeah, we we hope so too. And uh, it's funny you bring up the the those card game extensions. That was a big inspiration for us. We saw that had the same reaction, like, "Wow, that's really damn cool." Um, <laughs> let's let's put that on steroids and 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 you know follow that, see where it goes. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're 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 starting with just this beginner mode um, and that event feed, um, pretty straightforward. But there's there's some really cool stuff we can do with it. Like if you put in your own League of Legends summoner name, we can compare your stats with the streamer's stats and, and see how you stack it. <laughs> um, there's I mean there's there's lots of cool things we can do there. So what's the yeah, go on down, sorry. So what's the ideal scenario for you? Is this something that you really see a lot of just streamers utilizing, a lot of maybe just like normal people utilizing, or is your real like vision for this? integrating it into you know like lcs or lec or having it like obviously you guys would love to have it up on world's streams or whatever but yeah. is this something that you're creating for that or is this more created for um like kind of smaller users both um we we don't discriminate i mean it's it's all about making the game itself more accessible which is useful for uh, those esports broadcasters as well as the the streamers both groups want to grow their audience and pull more people in uh, so yeah, um, is our, our goal here is, is to really just enhance the viewing experience, be it, um, in an esports uh, broadcast or a, uh, your, your regular streamer broadcasting, um, something to mention, uh, it actually works better uh, with an esports broadcast because there's more information on the screen for the, for the AI to, to look at. It can see the live creep score, um, it could see, you know, the gold uh, for for each team, um, and just get more detailed information, uh, which allows us to do cooler stuff uh, with, you know, with that spectator mode. Do you worry at all with the kind of the more coming out more and more recent of these pro views and the all access pass? Does seeing those kind of things, while as cool as they are, that's kind of a competition to the product. Do you see like this trend of these becoming more popular hurting you or do you think it's something you guys can take advantage of or that you have your own uh, segment and kind of the space to still thrive? Uh, actually, uh, when so like League ProView, for example, yeah. when we saw that come out, we're like, this is amazing. Now we have we can pull computer vision data from not just one player's point of view or one camera's point of view, but every player's point of view. So we're, we'll, we're one of their first customers, like sign us <laughs> up. Um, Cause it just means that we can make our experience that much better. Um, you know, what, what we're not, we're not trying to, to compete with Riot uh, um, yeah. on, on their own broadcast experience. We just want to complement it and, and, and enhance it. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, if there is something that, that overlaps a lot, we're still a startup. We can we can pivot pretty easily and 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 steer the product in in a better way. But so far, um, that's not something that uh, we're, we're worried about right now because what we're doing is is pretty unique. Um, and what we plan to do with this extension in particular is is really neat, uh, which I can talk about uh, in a second if you, if you guys have some time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want to dive into that a little bit here, we got about five or six minutes, and it's not the end of the world if we go a couple minutes over because I know we start a little bit. But, yeah, why don't you dive in a little bit there and kind of give, yeah, what do you kind of see this really being for you in the future? And that might be a good place to end it. I mean, I'd love to talk with you about this for an hour and a half because it sounds so cool yeah. and something that's really unique. But I think for kind of wrapping that up today and then maybe having you back on after it comes yeah. out or in the future with future products all that. But, yeah, let's kind of wrap it up with that point, and then we can kind of move to sure. show for questions and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, so something we want to introduce uh, towards the end of the year, like leading up to uh, Worlds, uh, the, like the, the finals, uh, what we want to do is introduce what we're calling One View Questions. So at the beginning of a round, uh, we'll ask you to make predictions on how the game is going to go, um, which is in itself that, I mean, there's there are other extensions that do that. Yeah. There are other people that have done that. But to validate whether you got that uh, prediction right or wrong, you usually have to have a person behind the scenes telling the tool, the product, okay, this is the right answer. That is the right answer, which is fine, but it's not scalable. Um, so it only works at like the highest levels. But what this does uh, with, with our tech, we have computers doing all of that in the background. It's infinitely scalable. Um, is we, can, we can reach a lot 
more people, those everyday streamers, um, and, and enhance their broadcasts uh, with, with predictions, like live predictions. So we ask them to make those predictions at the beginning of the game. The uh, AI will validate it throughout. Um, and then in between, you asking or you you making your predictions in the end of the game, we're going to be asking you trivia questions based on what's going on in the game. So if you're watching League of Legends, um, you'll see that uh, Renekton just killed Blitzcrank. What is the name of Blitzcrank's ultimate ability? Um, and what we want to do is is gamify the experience, um, just make it fun, and you can play either uh, single player just on your own, just for fun or you can play against other viewers. And that's where it gets, it's, gets pretty neat, um, where if you want to uh, compete, you put in, um, you use those, those Twitch bits that uh, people use to tip the streamer, mm-hmm. put in a small amount, let's say 10 bits, um, and it goes into a pool. And whoever wins that round, we will donate that entire pool on their behalf to the streamer. Um, so if you put in a little bit, you have, you can put your knowledge to the test for a chance to be the big baller and, and give that huge pot of gold to the, uh, to the streamer and get that recognition. And that doesn't count as gambling. I'm sure that's why it's a gift. Nope, that, uh, that's what the first thing when you started saying that, I'm like, isn't that gambling? But if you're donating it on behalf, I guess. Yeah, that kinda it's gets just donating. Uh, the viewers themselves don't win anything. This is just yeah. a fun way to do it's cool. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's 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 actually really cool. And I think that, yeah, again, I do see where something like the LCS can do this, especially for newer people and all that kind of stuff. But also for these middle to large streamers that, I mean, not taking away from it, but not every large streamer can pay attention to every single um, viewer and all that kind of stuff. So finding ways to gamify them or build that community or get involved is something that's always really interesting. So I could see that being really great for those middle to even small size streamers or even other t- tournament organizers as well to keep them people that, oh, oh, we're just doing this little homegrown tournament. But we have all these fun att- uh, attachments and all that uh, extensions and all that to kind of keep it or to make it easier for anyone that might be watching a mom watching their son play in this tournament for the first time and all that kind of stuff. So I think it really does have that entire market approach, which is really something cool and something really unique. So, I mean, I love all of this. And, I mean, um, are you guys putting it out for, I mean, if anyone was listening, League of Legends streamers, are you guys reaching out to only people? Or is there somewhere people can reach out and say, hey, we'd love to help te- uh, beta test this? Or are you being kind of picky about that right away? Uh, so, we actually have, uh, uh, we, we're like, we have pre-beta testers okay. right now. Um, but, uh, I mean, if if someone is interested, <laughs> uh, just go, uh, you know, we're, we're always happy to, to talk to folks. Um uh, that towards the end of the year, that launch I was talking about, yeah. um, that will be open to the public. Okay. Any oh, nice. can, can use it. Um, uh, at the end of the month is the closed beta, but if anyone's interested, um, just go, uh, send us an email at feedback at esports1.com. Um, uh, or, uh, I mean, if you want to learn more about esports one and what we do, um, just esports1.com. Yeah, and we'll link you guys in the recap post. Um, we're, I think we're putting it in the Twitch chat right now. We'll put it um, in the, rec- uh, the description of the podcast and all that kind of stuff too. So yeah, so go check that out there if you want to find that information. Otherwise, we'll throw we'll shout them out on uh, Twitter and all that kind of stuff as well. So we'll make sure you guys find the information um, if you need to. Yeah. But um, Nick, for anyone... We, that- have, we have a ton of uh, social media channels as well. Yeah. Um, Nick, if anyone yeah. really enjoyed uh, talking, uh, listening to you talk, want to hear more about your specific kind of work in esports one and not the company as a whole we're we're showing all that for you guys but where can people find you if they want to keep up to date with you oh man um i, I have the twitter I'm pretty <laughs> sure. um yeah i mean i'm not like terribly active on social media or anything but uh yeah i think analysec is is my twitter handle n-l-e-s-e-c yeah i think that's maybe maybe it's your full right. name um we were messaging back uh, and forth yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah okay cool yeah glad you someone knows you know <laughs> other than the description as well but i of course wanted to kind of give you a chance if there was anything you wanted to shout out besides your company that you're working at which we'll make <laughs> sure to, yeah we'll make sure to put that out there as well but honestly nick thank you so much for coming on it was so much fun chatting with you and honestly i already knew what you guys were doing was super cool but hearing you talk about it 
made me even more excited for it and made me realize how even cooler it is that you guys are doing because it is something really unique. So thank you so much for coming on tonight's episode. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. But with that, that is going to be all for this week's episode of Project Esports for September 16th, 2019. Make sure, as always, to follow our Twitter and Popped Off's Twitter to update on everything that we do. We go live every single Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. PST, uh, twitch.tv slash pop underscore off. Uh, you can go to YouTube uh, if you want to see the VOD of that. It's on the next day. Search Popped Off and Project Esports. Um, but if you want to listen to the podcast version, uh, go to any podcast platform. We're on all of them. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. We're on all of them. Just go there, <laughs> search pop or search uh, Project Esports. We're there. It's great. Subscribe. There you go. And then, of course, any interactions with us does mean the world to us, like Esports One does so often with us. Rather, that's joining our Discord, which you can find at poppedoff.com slash Discord, leaving us a five-star review, following us on Twitch, Twitter, whatever it is. Just letting us know that you like the content we're making helps encourage us so much to keep making more content and trying to make the show better. So do give us any feedback and reviews that you guys can. But if it's not a five-star review, don't leave it on iTunes. Tunes, take it to me on Twitter, and I'll take care of you there. But with that, that'll be all for this week's episode. As always, I'm Andrew. I'm Dylan. I'm Nick. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Project Esports Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. We love each and every one of you.